This podcast is supported by listeners like you. We're grateful for your tax-deductible donation at newthoughtphilly.org or the link in the episode description. A practical prayer is a prayer that works. These discussions between Reverend Bill Marcioni and Carol Lawrence dive into the details of how it works and how to work it. Reverend Bill is a New Thought minister and the author of Practical Prayer for Real Results. Your new life begins with a new thought. Carol Lawrence is on a spiritual quest, finding the New Thought teaching after decades on the pulpit in three different traditional denominations. I've got some questions. Together, they're exploring the philosophy and activities that come together from many of the world's religions to create the practical spirituality that is New Thought. Welcome to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni. And with one of those fun experiences where you came up with an idea for the topic to talk about on the podcast today, and I, 10 minutes before we started the recording session, was thinking about exactly the same topic. Yes. And so, I'll tell, let, let me say what I said. You know, I said, great minds think alike. And then you give me the answer that you always give me. There's only one. And I thought, hey, I'm in good company. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And you can introduce the topic because you put it into words better than I do. I don't know about that, but I do know that uh, there is a, a belief that God's ha God has a will for our lives. It leans heavily toward the idea of predestination, and that ruffles my feathers a bit because to me that is a contradiction of free spirit mm -hmm. uh, or free will. And so I thought maybe we could talk about that a little bit. I can give you the scripture that is the go-to scripture for everybody, uh, but everybody who holds that idea of, of uh, predestination, so to speak, and that God has a particular will. Uh, but as I read the scripture, I kind of see there's shades of something else in there. So maybe, you know, we'll get to it. I know we will. I'm sure. I'm sure that we will get to it. And and. Perhaps somewhere along the line, we will figure out what it was that, that we meant and what God's will for us is. And my approach to this was not to come from Scripture and say, what does the Scripture mean? Mine was much more irritated about people who claim that they're not responsible for what's going in their, on in their lives because it's God's will. And so they're, they're not accountable for anything. So for me, it was much more about being annoyed. <laughs> with people ducking their own accountability uh, rather than uh, diving into some glorious spiritual truth. But we can do, we can do both of them. Uh, let's start with the scripture. Okay. So it's Jeremiah 29, 11. That's the one, the go-to scripture for this. And I'll read it out of the uh, common English Bible because it's just easier to hear. I know the plans I have in mind for you, declares the Lord. They are plans of peace, not disaster, to give you a future filled with hope. Okay. And I guess that we can interpret that to mean that God has already decided what's going to happen to each and every one of us. 
Yes. And, and let me add, in the King James Version, and perhaps I should have chosen to read that one instead, but it closes, the, the verse closes with, to bring you to an expected end. So that's the part that kind of gets you, you know, there's an expected end and it feels like you have no choice in the matter. So I have my thoughts and, and I'll share them, but I know you're going to cover it. So go ahead. Okay. Um, let's, let's talk about our synonyms uh, or uh, other words that we use for God. Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, spirit which is, those are biblical sounding ones. And then there are all the names that they have in the Bible. And then we get to nature or the infinite or the divine. And that's much more of a broader picture of what we mean when we're talking about God. So if we're talking about the universe, Mm -hmm. it's really big. It's really big. So if you can imagine, I don't know, a huge multinational corporation. Let's make it be Google or Apple. And there's, you know, the guy at the top, and this is still humans to humans. So there's the guy at the top, and then there are these tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of employees working in different divisions and different facilities and different parts of the, the, the company all over the world. The thought that the CEO is intimately involved with when each of those people takes a lunch break is preposterous. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Got it. <That> was, <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Yeah. I never looked at it from that perspective, but go. Go for you it. You see where I'm headed here. Yeah. It's like, do we have a company policy that everybody gets a, gets a meal break after a certain amount of time? Yes, we do. Is everybody supposed to be working according to that program? Yes, they are. Is it the CEO's responsibility to check in on everybody and be in charge of when they go to lunch? No. The system is set up and the system is working and people are going and doing what they're going to do. And if somebody skips lunch, that's on them. Mm -hmm. So the infinite has set up this entire system, this entire universe, this huge pinball machine or pachinko machine where you, you drop something on one side and it bounces all around and something happens and it comes out at a particular slot. And The system works, and the system always works, and it always works according to the same laws and principles. But it is completely possible that if you put the the ball on the top of the pachinko machine, it's going to come out somewhere else, just because there's so much nuance. There's so many variables about what can happen there. And when the infinite is dropping the ball into the pachinko machine, it doesn't care. It doesn't care where it comes out. It says, let's play. Okay. what you said in scripture is exactly the same thing on the macro scale as God loves us so much that God doesn't care specifically what we do or what happens to us. Mm -hmm. There's this infinite range of possibilities and anything inside of that, we're free to choose. Okay. You know, (laughs) when you were talking about the, you know, the corporation and all of that, and I thought conversation over, I get it. You know, I'm okay. <laughs> hey, I'm all right with this because it makes it makes good enough sense for me. Um, but then there's this little clause that kind of makes you trip up. It says to give you a future filled with hope or bring you to an expected end. And that expected end, that's the problem right there. 
because it says expected. Now, I'm not saying that the Bible is literal and you hold it to the word and this is what it said because da 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 because words change translations and all that business. So the perception that you get from the expected end uh, leaves no wiggle room uh, for you. And I, I definitely think that there's a lot of wiggle room, but mm-hmm. it's still there. So it's like there is an intended end. But then on the other hand, it says that, you know, no disaster, peace, plans of good. And that fits with the profile of, of spirit that I understand. So, yeah, I can go with CEO business because okay. when when those guys set up their uh corporation, if everything works according to the way it's supposed to, everybody wins. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, down here, way at the bottom, you know, stuff flows <laughs> downhill. I'm, right. it sometimes may not, it works and sometimes it doesn't. Well, you know what? It In a way, it still does because you get paid. Right? And Because yeah. I was in corporate America for 12 years, and you could argue but the whole the bottom line is you sign a contract, so to speak, to do such and such. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't there is no clause that says except you come up with a better idea. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's just the way it goes. Do you mind if we pivot to a different scripture? Because I love doing dueling scriptures at 12 paces. Sure. Okay. So hold that thought with Jeremiah, and we'll switch now to one of my favorites, which is the 23rd Psalm. Mm-hmm. And there's that section in there that says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And I think, personally, that means the same thing. It's just, we don't think of those as meaning the same thing. Because each and every one of us is walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And as I've mentioned before, that sounds spooky and ominous, and it's, it's Halloween and, you know, the the scary stuff because it's the shadow of death. Oh my goodness. And it's looming over us. And what it's talking about, the valley of the shadow of death is life because life is going to end in death. So the valley of the shadow of death or the shadow of death is life and walking through the valley is our experience of life. So we are going to walk through life through the valley of the shadow of death and we will fear no evil because God's with us. Mm Mm-hmm. The expected end in that case would be what? The end, the other side of the valley. We're going to get to the end of our walk. Right. Okay. Right. Is that the worst thing that can happen? No, that's part of the plan. That's what it's, that's, that's why it's the valley of the shadow of death. And everybody gets, gets to walk the same, not the same path, but the same valley. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I see that. I see that. So your expected end is to get to the end of your walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Okay. Next. <laughs> next well okay so sometimes you you could simplify it even more which is where i come in you know it's the same principle but i see the in order to have a valley you have to have mountains you know Mm -hmm. on either side and to have a shadow it means the mountains are high enough to obstruct the the light you know Mm -hmm. and you're in this valley and in the valley it's dark and it's cold and it's Spooky, you know, the Halloween spooky. It's it's uncomfortable. And we go through valleys all the time. You know, like mm-hmm. our whole life isn't one valley. We go through valleys. But I think the whole idea of it 
And I'm a I'm a kid of those uh, Bible movies, you know, like Charlton Heston uh, and the rest of those movies they used to make up. You you always come out to live another day and go through another valley at some point. So if God is with us the whole way, and God has to be because the Bible says we're the temple of the living God and God is within us and depending on what uh, theology you use or you, you embrace, God is either everywhere or inside, right? Either way, you win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I always look at it like I'm in a valley right now and there's an end to it because it's not shut in on four sides. You know, you walk in, you walk out. Don't know how long it is, but well, if God is or spirit is with me, I, I can handle this. You know, some days I think I can't, but I can if I keep my eye on it and and know that this is, there's an end to this. You know, and if the end of it is the end of life, as you suggested, you still win. Because mm-hmm. there's all kind of ideas about what goes on when life ends. You know, the only people I feel sorry for is when they say you're dead, you're done. I don't know about that. <laughs> well, but, we'll find out. But, it, you know, I, I hope gonna be, to, There's going to be an awkward surprise for somebody. Maybe yeah. them, maybe us. Who knows? Oh, not me. Okay, no. I, 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 there's I, some stuff going on. I don't know what it is. But <laughs> right. I don't think it'll be recognizable as compared to, to what we're experiencing now, but I think there's something. I think— Let me just say, I believe there's something. I believe there's something, too, and, and this is just, a, you know, a one-liner. When I think about spirit and the attributes and the personality and the whatever it is that I think about God— it's all good. Like, like goodness doesn't go anywhere. You don't kill goodness. You don't kill joy and love and all those wonderful things. So at the end of life, all of those things are still there, mm-hmm. you know, because God is there. So no matter how you look at it, if you go to purgatory or you go to this place or that place, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know God is still there and God is still who God always is or what God always is. I'm good. You know, yeah. not that I'm ready to do it today, but you know, I think it's I think it's going to be all right. I don't know about the digit done thing. That doesn't make sense cuz that to me that takes uh, God's not very creative if that's the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> I I agree with that. So we'll leave that one aside. Um we're going to take a break and we're going to continue with a discussion of God's will for our lives. And I'm going to leave the question as we go into the break. What happens if we don't do what God wants us to do? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Discussion coming up. Mm-hmm. Is Reverend Bill letting you know that the Practical Prayer for Real Results class is now available on demand? That's right. You can take it at your own pace, 
anytime you want. All of the information is at bethelight.com. That's b-the-light.com. You know where to find that stuff. The class is five lessons, broken down into 18 modules, and you can take them at whatever pace is comfortable for you. As you work through the process, it starts out with the theory, goes into the practice, there are experiential activities and exercises, and at the end of the program, you will wind up with an understanding of how practical prayer works and a practical prayer for yourself that will work to create transformation in your life. And as you know, it works for everything. Take a look at the class online at bethelight.com. There's a sample lesson so you can see how the class is going to work for you and then dive in. The great news is it's on sale now. You can register and save $20 off of the regular price. I'm looking forward to seeing you in class. Welcome back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol, here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni, continuing this amazing conversation. We're talking about God's will for our lives. And the question I left off with is, what if we don't do what God wills us to do? Is there a possibility of having a disagreement of not following God's will? Well, I can tell you this. I've had some disagreements Mm-hmm. I have, but I can't say that it's that I'm like in a, a disagreement with God about, you know, like God wants this and I don't. I've said it like this. This is not what we discussed. So the way I dis- <laughs> <laughs> the way I understood the discussion to go, I am not in agreement with this outcome. So. Mm-hmm. The only thing left at this point is for you to straighten it out in my mind because I'm not getting it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's as far as it goes for me. Okay. And, you know, taking it back to principle, uh, it's done as you believe. And our life is an outpicturing of what we believe about is true about ourselves. If we believe that we're lovable and wonderful and happy and joyous, then we tend to have an experience of life that's wonderful, loving, happy, and joyous. And if we have some belief hidden in there that we're unworthy or we don't deserve to have something good or that we have to struggle with money or that there is no way for us to get past a particular block or obstruction, it doesn't matter where that belief came from. It doesn't even matter if we're aware of it or not, but that's operative in our life. And that infinite creative process, that law that is responding to consciousness is creating that which we don't want exactly according to our belief that what we don't want is going to happen for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because and this is the you... part that you and I agree on now. What? What you just said? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well... <laughs> I, I'm not sure that there's any disagreement, though, when you really, uh, when you take it back, it's going to happen as you believe. Okay, that's that stops the show for a minute. No matter how you feel about this outcome or this present circumstance, if it's a result of your own beliefs, then you got to stop. Like, there's no argument there because you got to figure out what it is that you believe that could have possibly brought you to this space. And that's where you know, the silence comes in. Yeah. And that's what makes the new thought philosophy so challenging for people. It's because we can't do what we're talking about in this episode. We can't blame 
our experience of life on God's will for us. We can't say, well, I wanted to be rich and happy and successful, and God wanted me to be, you know, impoverished or have this physical uh, ailment or uh, disability or problem. Uh, when, when we point to God and say it's God's fault, then we lose all of our own responsibility for it. And that is really comfortable. And the, the, the part that had me thinking about doing this episode is that it's such a cop-out. It is such a cop-out, and it makes me very angry to have people sum up that infinite creative power by saying, oh, it just doesn't want me to have something. Because it's, it, it releases our own responsibility, our, the fact that we're participating in the process, and just lets us sidestep the whole thing. Oh, well, it's not working. God doesn't want me to have it. So let me just sit over here on my pity potty and complain about what God did wrong. Yeah. And I kind of feel a little bit sorry for that kind of think the opposite way of thinking. I mean, mm -hmm. we should take responsibility for ourselves, of course. I believe that. I always have believed that. Uh, but the um, religious, generally speaking, the, the, the religious acculturation or teaching, of that does not promote that. Mm -hmm. It's that God is responsible. And and to me, it's like a, a, a thing of control. You know, you take the responsibility, self-reliance, and you take that away from a person. And therefore, you put your the responsibility for your, your life onto somebody else, even if that's God. Now you just go with the flow and there's no, you're not the blame. You know, you you have no power because you've been told you have no power. And right. that's that's a whole nother conversation. But I think it takes some guts to go there if you want things to be different in your life. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a it's, it's a huge acceptance of responsibility or not even responsibility, accountability. Mm -hmm. We are we, we are the authors of our experience. We have authority for the experience we want to have, and we are accountable for the experience that we're having. And those are two sides of the same coin. If I don't like the experience that I'm having, I have the authority to change it, but I'm accountable for whatever I'm having. Mm -hmm. As soon as I understand this is something that I don't want, it's my business to find out what I do want. That's the pivot, to turn around and say, okay, what experience do I want to be having instead? Mm -hmm. And then clear out the beliefs and the activities and whatever our actions have been that have either brought that about or perpetuated it. Yeah. And blaming it on God just gets in the way of, of doing the process. So here, here are two notions about God that most people are not going to disagree with. Infinite power. Mm -hmm. Okay. Unconditional love. Mm -hmm. So when we ascribe infinite power and unconditional love to God, pretty much nobody's going to object. Nobody's going to say, well, God's not an infinite power. There's stuff that's more powerful than God. Well, even if, you know, for somebody who believes in you know, the devil, it's not that the devil is more powerful than God. It's just that the devil is giving God trouble. <laughs> God is still that, that infinite power. And God is unconditional love. Well, if God is, in fact, unconditional love, the, the, the part that's operative there is unconditional. That means that there is nothing we can do that will make God stop loving us. Mm -hmm. Because if we can, then it's not unconditional. Then it's conditional love. And oh, by the way, you can go to all the scripture where God got angry 
and did something mean. Okay. And those stories can account for seismic events and <laughs> astronomical events, you know, asteroid crashes into the planet. It's going to, it's going to cause some stuff that might show up in the scripture, <laughs> but it's not because God didn't love us. It's because in this infinite universe of limitless power and unconditional love, something happened that didn't seem like it was a good idea at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the extinction level event that got rid of the dinosaurs or the massive floods or whatever the interpretation of the story is, it's not because God doesn't love us and because God didn't have the power to stop it. It's because the process is already working. It's already rolling. And yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're the employees off in the far distant office. And sometimes there's stuff that's happening that impacts us in an unfavorable way. Mm-hmm. It's not always going to be, you know, clock in and have lunch at noon and then clock out at five. Sometimes stuff happens and we have to, uh, we, we get to respond or react or, uh, or, or deal with it. And it's not because there's no love and it's not because there's a limitation in the power. It's because there's something much bigger than us that's going on. Mm-hmm. When I was early in my corporate life, I was so excited, you know, because I landed a corporate job in my area of expertise. And that just didn't happen in those days. But anyway, I was just working really hard on this great project. Everybody was excited about it. And I came to work one day and the project had, there was an email or, you know, yeah, that came down and said that the project had been stopped and blah, blah, blah. And I was just devastated because, man, I was, I was actually... Uh, like superstarring in this thing. And mm-hmm. it wasn't, I didn't get a chance to feel excited because I was working so hard to make sure that everything was perfect. And then all of a sudden it stopped and nobody had consulted me. Nobody told me this, <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> nobody even said, well, how's it going? Maybe we should do this. It was just stopped. And my mentor just came to me and I guess they saw the look on my face and said, you know what? Listen, don't make the project more important to you than it is to the company. They make decisions higher up in the ivory tower with um, er- things that are going on that we know nothing about, dynamics that are happening that we're not privy to. I never thought of that, you know, because I come from a small world. Like, you know, everybody discusses everything. And it, <laughs> it took me a minute, but I got it. I got the lesson really quick. And so when you brought up that uh scenario about, you know, God at the top and everything. I said, you know what? God sees a whole lot more than I see or that I can even imagine. I can't take all this into consideration in my little space. You know, what is, you know, I love the ocean. And when I'm out there, it just feels like that's thought, that's everything. That, But then when I really thought, the truth of it is, I'm only seeing a teeny tiny part of all the water on this planet. And Imagine what it is on other planets. So, yeah, mm-hmm. seeing God from the God perspective yeah, makes a all the picture. difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a bigger picture, and you're you're talking about that and um, a story that we can use because it's it's far enough in the past that everybody kind of understands where it's going. In the days before the automobile, cities had uh, a workforce where their job was basically to go around and uh, pick up the horse manure from the streets because everything was horse-drawn carriages and that was that was a job. There was a workforce. There were people who were doing that. And there were other people who were manufacturing the, 
the pieces of the uh, uh, you know of, of of the transportation infrastructure. You know, the favorite story is buggy whips. You know, the the person who's driving the buggy needs to have a whip to to guide the horse in what they're doing. So if you imagine yourself being in the buggy whip lab, mm. okay, mm. your job is to make the next generation buggy whip. Okay, and you're doing your job and you're doing your job really, really well. And while you're doing that, Ford Motor Company starts selling their yeah. internal combustion yeah. engines. And, and suddenly <laughs> corporate calls and says, yeah, we're, we're closing down the lab. It's like, why? We're doing great things over here. Yes. yes, but you're no longer relevant to the mission of the company or to what, the, the, to, to, to what society needs at this particular time. It's not because you did something wrong. Right. Exactly. It's not because you did something wrong. God's will for us is that we walk through that valley, that we go from where we come in and we move through that, that, that path of life and go on to whatever's next. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Mm-hmm. And if we're doing it well, we will fear no evil because thou art with me. And maybe I have to get a different job because buggy whip expert is no longer on the table. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I have a story for that, too, for another time. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) I made buggy whips and widgets and all kinds of things. But there's a word that you use often, and it is so important. It's pivot. Mm -hmm. Can you pivot? Because if you can't, you're done. Oh, I think I'm on my 10th career. Minister is like my ninth or 10th career and there's been software and there's been broadcasting and there's been marketing and there's been typesetting. Remember typesetting? That used to be a thing. I worked mm-hmm. for a typesetting mm-hmm. company. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's really not a thing anymore. Um, I mean, it still is, but nobody thinks that it's important. <laughs> so it's a good thing that I'm not trying to do that for a living anymore. But every one of those things has served its purpose and brought me to the next step and given me an opportunity. And oh, by the way, as I look back at it, there's some stuff that I know now that I'm good at, some expertise and some talent, some skills that I can bring to what I'm doing next that takes advantage of that. And that's the invitation. As we walk through that valley, we can make, you know, we can take advantage of the stuff that happened before to step into something new rather than sitting there saying, oh, well, it's God's will for me to not be able to work in the typesetting industry anymore. Right. It's like, oh, okay, no, that's... Yeah. God's will that that evolution and 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 progress happens and that particular industry is no longer necessary. You know, if if your if your whole family has spent generations cleaning up after the horses on the street in your city, sorry, you're going to have to find something different to do. And it can be refreshing if you can let go of the fear, which is a whole other thing too, to work to let go of the fear and say, okay, this is I'm not a one trick pony, so. Let me see what else I can do with this. You know, um, I'm not going to be totally 100% different. Like, I'm not going to stop shoveling the horse manure and suddenly become a brain surgeon. Uh, but maybe. I mean, do you know what I mean? You, you oh, yeah. say, okay, I'll see what else. And it shows a, a different side of you. Mm-hmm. you. You meet a different person. Sometimes even in yourself, when you're not tied to the end or tethered to what is, which is a frightening thing to let, think of letting go of. But yes, it's, it's a big company. Yeah. 
So how many people do you know, and this is a question for everybody who is listening, how many people do you know who are in their second marriage and they are very, very happy? How many people do you know who have gotten fired from a job and are now in a job that's much better than that job they got fired from? How many people do you know thought they wanted to study something and then wound up studying something different? Yeah, it shows up a lot because when we're looking at that challenge, at that difficulty, at that failure, at that need to change, we can say this is bad. And that's opening the way for something new, for something better to happen. So we're going to take a break. And then when we return, we will, we're going to do a prayer. And the prayer is going to be on guidance and joyously stepping into what's next. Learn to put practical prayer to work in your life. The steps are simple to learn and let you begin to get real results to create the life of your dreams immediately. Reverend Bill Marcioni's widely acclaimed book, Practical Prayer for Real Results, gives you a clear summary of the new thought principles behind practical prayer and the series of easy-to-understand steps found in the most effective prayers from religions and spiritual practices all over the world and throughout history. Practical prayer is not a replacement for your religion or practice. It's a technique to make the work you do in consciousness even more effective. The book includes 40 prayers on various topics that you can adapt as needed and use as your own. Practical Prayer for Real Results is available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook on Amazon or at b-the-light.com. That's b-the-light.com. Welcome back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol. This is I'm here with Reverend Bill Marcioni, and we've been having a great discussion. We have. We've been talking about God's will for our lives and what happens when we don't play along or when we try and blame God for it not going the way that we said that it ought to go. And that's actually a big thing. I know better. I know what should be happening here, and God is getting in the way. It's like, that's really not a fight that you want to have. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not a fight that you're going to win. You're not going to win. <laughs> yeah. I, I know what God should do here. Well, okay. The, there's a certain level of principle about what that infinite power is doing to create something new in our lives. And instead of fighting against it, we can work with it to invite that newness into our lives. But just saying that we know better and trying to force somebody to change is, that's, that's, that's not a winner. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do a prayer, not to know better, but to have that guidance, to allow the infinite to give us that next idea so that we can joyously step into what's new and next for our lives. And it's different for everybody. Everyone who is listening to this prayer has something different that they will experience as being that next joyous step to success and harmony and what's new in their life. But the same principle applies to everybody. And we turn our attention away from whatever's been going on before and open our awareness to that infinite creative power, that divine presence, the, the unconditional love, that limitless power that we call God or spirit or nature. It is the same power which has created everything that exists, whether it's the story that's in scripture or it's the story that the scientists tell about the Big Bang. Everything started as the one, 
and is now being shared and expressed and unfolded as something different. And that includes each of us. Each one listening to this prayer is a divine and perfect expression of God's infinite love taking form in their own personal and particular way. That divine mind is the mind with which each of us is thinking. That divine power and presence is the same power and presence which is creating our next experience of life. So I now claim that each of us in our own way is letting go of the idea that we know better, that we know how it ought to go, and is instead opening to the guidance to the awareness of what is ours to do and what is ours to release, to open to that next new possibility, to let go of judgment and doubt, and instead open to a new possibility, open to the thought that that infinite creative power can create something new for us, through us, as us right now. That's what I'm inviting. That's what I'm claiming. And I know without any question that that divine goodness is coming about now. The pieces are fitting together in a new and remarkable and wonderful and delightful way to allow us to joyously step into what's new. The guidance about our next steps are perfect and our activity in taking those next steps is also perfect. And the pieces are even now fitting together in sweet perfection to bring about that next new experience that transcends everything that's happened before that brings about personal transformation and stories that begin with, oh my God, I don't believe how this could possibly have happened. That level of good, that level of joy, that level of delight is already underway. I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for the way that it's unfolding. I'm grateful for the awareness of this process. And I'm grateful for the stories that each of us get to tell with a smile on our face and satisfaction in our step as we move boldly into this next new experience. And so I release this word into that creative law that creates everything. And I confidently know that it is now creating this. And so I let it be. And so it is. Practical Prayer Podcast with Reverend Bill Marcioni and Carol Lawrence is a production of BeTheLight.com. Be-the-light.com. Where you can find more information about practical prayer for real results. Our theme is by Music of Wisdom. You can learn about the spiritual community of New Thought Philadelphia with daily guided meditations, weekly celebrations of spirit, and Reverend Bill's classes in practical spirituality at NewThoughtPhilly.org. This podcast is supported by listeners like you. We're grateful for your tax-deductible donation at newthoughtphilly.org or the link in the episode description.